time to relish the presence of God, get something out of it. And I appreciate that reading. Did you notice, I know you did, but did you notice in Psalm 27.9 when Brad just read that, that David asked God, don't put me away in your anger. I wonder what a man goes through when he finally realizes God can exhibit anger. What does a man have to go through before he realizes God is an emotional God? Think about that one. I hope as you read through those scripture settings every day uh, that you do as we've asked many, many times or we've suggested many times, put yourself in the writer's shoes. What's he thinking? What's he going through? What's he hoping to express by putting those words down? The word of God is living, alive, breathing, real. The writer of Hebrews said it's quick and powerful. That means alive. I appreciate you taking that into thought, into concern when you're reading. It's alive. It's not a dead book. I'll tell you what I think the, the main difference between Christianity and any other religion is, is its word is living. The word is alive. Hallelujah. Man, all right, if you're going out, be dismissed, but I'm asking the rest of us to turn this morning to the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews, to the chapter of faith, heroes of faith, the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews, hallelujah, and if you don't have a Bible, it's on the screen behind me, Hebrews 11 and 22. Bible said, by faith, Joseph, by faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones. Read it out loud with me, everybody. By faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones. Just going to talk for a couple of minutes about this thought, extra luggage, extra luggage. Bless your word, God, today and your people in the house. Strengthen our hands, encourage our soul, renew our mind, and help us to focus on your will, your word, your way, your thoughts, your ideas today. Help us to leave here, God, with our tank full, our batteries charged, our soul energized, and to take nothing for granted in this meeting, nothing, God. I rebuke every impression in our heart and soul that would tell us Relax that, that area of life. Help us to focus, God, with intention and energy right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. God bless you. God bless you. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Man. Normally when you read a Bible story or you read several chapters and it's about one specific individual, Everybody quickly develops an impression in their soul, their mind, because of all the specifics or the nuances of the story, things that stand out to you, good guy, bad guy, what he's trying to do, what he lost, what he gained, etc. But it's not Joseph's life that uh, I want to focus so much on today as much as something that he said. It's not just the things that are highlights of his story, although it's impossible not to look at those. How many people have told me just in the last six months, the story of Joseph just turns me inside out. It just catches me. It just grabs my attention. And I, I'm with you. You can't read 
those chapters and not be gathered into the arena where Joseph's life story is told. But it's obvious, Brother Marshall, God has a plan. And Joseph is the centerpiece of the plan. Joseph is the king on the, on the chess table, on the chessboard. And God is carrying it out through things that I scratch my head over like, I'm glad I wasn't Joseph. I'm glad he didn't pick Brother Shannon Moore out of the group and say, you be the, you be the king in all of the midst of pawns and lesser pieces. In Joseph's life, you need to know that there's more, or you obviously catch on to the fact that there's more going on than meets the eye. There's something deeply spiritual happening in Joseph's life and Joseph's story more than just those troublesome times he's enduring. Jesus put it this way. In John 18, 36, he said, If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight. What is Jesus saying? There's something deeper going on here than you're seeing and witnessing every day. I do believe that your life has two chapters, the present and the future. Paul said you have a natural body and you have a spiritual body. I mean, there's more going on here than just the here and now, but there is the here and now. There is heaven pulling in one direction, and there is hell tugging the other direction. Brother Brad said it already. There's just days I am insecure, I'm weak, more than normal. That's hell pulling on me. And that's heaven tugging against the wishes of hell in your life. There's a conflict going on. There is a spiritual conflict going on while you're living on this earth. That's why some days you feel like you're just going to pull your hair out. I'm telling you, there's more going on than meets the eye. Paul said this, though, in Philippians 3.14. He said, but I'm pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Come on, let me just break it down in simple Ron Herring words. Paul is saying, I'm here, but I'm pushing towards a greater place. I have to work, I have to work through all of the nonsense and junk on this earth, and all of that stuff is how the devil tugs on me. Some days it's hard to pray. Some days it's hard to even think about being holy. Some days it's difficult to try and to try to stay in the in the in the center of God's perfect will. I know it's not because I'm just being a carnal jerk that day. It's because I'm being tugged on by hell. I'm an emotional man. You're an emotional woman, and God is pulling you His direction, and the devil's saying, "I'm not." Letting go that easily. It's not about right. That's exactly right. But in Joseph's story, it really is the end that justifies the means. If we hear, uh, we hear people in our world, you say it, I say it, sometimes, God, I don't understand why I'm going through all this. When if you'd put yourself into some people's life like Job or Joseph, We'd be a little bit embarrassed to compare our life to Joseph's life. Doesn't make what you're going through any less real 
But it's the end of Joseph's story that balances all that he goes through. And even though God gave Joseph intense, intricate dreams, how would you like to be the person that God uses and you find out from the get-go people hate you because of it? We, we think like this in, in modern terminology. Well, if I'm used of God, people love me because of it. Well, it started in his own home. Brother Richard, Joseph said, I got a dream, and I think there's something deeper to it than just the sheaves bowing to the moon and stars. Your sheaves bowing to mine, the moon bowing to the, and on and on. I think it's deeper than that, and his brothers get jealous and immediately. Brother, you don't even have to leave home when your family's upset because you're being used of God. And just in case there's anybody out there that thinks ministry is the, all of that, you know, I want to become a preacher so I can be seen and I can, I can be talked about in a positive way. Yeah, right. Uh-huh. Sure. If you're thin as skin, you're going to be killed in ministry. I promise you that. Because after all, the novelty wears off. And it's not new and exciting anymore, like your job. You, for a new start, you're learning new things, and you're excited about your job. Ask you five years in it, you're like, I am so bored of this job. Anyway, hallelujah. In Joseph's story, he's going through so many traumatic, family-altering, life-changing events that it doesn't seem fair. And even though he's got all these dreams he's trying to retain, it would have been very easy to lose sight of what God has promised him. I don't know if God's ever made a specific and personal promise to any of you today, but if it doesn't happen overnight, it doesn't happen in a year, it doesn't happen in a season, so easy to just forget it. Now listen, everybody, not everybody, but a lot of people think God spoke to them here and there. But, but you know what I'm talking about when I say, really, God told you something. Going to bring your family back. Going to save your family. Going to save your children. You know when God speaks to you. And it hasn't happened yet or yet or even yet. And it's easy to forget those promises. Think about this with me today. Joseph lived 110 years. And 90 of those years he lived in Egypt. He lived to be 110 and 90 of those years in Egypt. If anybody had the right to look more like the world, it would have been Joseph. If anybody had the right to say, I'm an Egyptian, not a Hebrew, it would have been Joseph. When you're 100 years old, how do you remember what life was like 80 years ago? The impression of the daily grind, Brother Moore. The ins and the outs of every day, the same thing, same economy, same culture, same lifestyle. It would have been absolutely understandable for you to get up and say, I'm an Egyptian. Joseph would have not even drawn a curious eye had he forgotten all about his Hebrew culture. But according to Genesis 50, chapter 50, this is what I mentioned earlier. It's not so much his life, it's something he said that I want to talk about. 
According to Genesis 50, verse 25 and 26, Joseph had this ancestral thing going on. You get into certain cultures of life, certain races. People are very culturally minded. They're very ancestrally minded. They're very honorable to their forefathers. Unfortunately, people in our society, as a rule, are like, out of sight, out of mind. It's all about me now. I'm trying to survive. Survival of the fittest. We forget about our fathers, our grandfathers, and people that have, that have really worked hard to make life what it is today. Joseph had an ancestral spirit. He said, I realize I've been here more than I've been anywhere else. But when I die, carry what remains out of this place. The old song says, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. The, my treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. Joseph had every right to say, this is just home. I've got my plot picked out right over there, 336 Elm Street, Cairo, Egypt. Joseph didn't say that while he's in his right mind, while he's thinking sober thoughts. He said, listen, I'm dying, and I want you to realize where I get planted is more important to me than where I've stood. Where I'm planted from this stage on is so important to me. We don't think it matters how we go out of this world, but it mattered to people with an ancestral inclination. See, to the world, we're only of value while we're alive. What can you contribute? To society. What did JFK say? Ask not what your country can do for you. And I get it, JFK, I get it. But what can you do for your country? Because we are of value only while we're breathing, functioning, working and paying taxes. Hallelujah. But to God, legacy is as important as life on planet Earth. David said this in Psalm 116, 15. Precious in the sight of the Lord, sight of the Lord, is the death of his saints. God sees when we leave here, and I'm not being morbid today. Don't leave here thinking, oh, dear me, what was he smoking this morning? Precious in the sight of the Lord. Tells me, Brother Marshall, God sees the next chapter of my life different than I see the next chapter of my life. I'm all about the here and now. Eat, drink, and be merry. Have fun. Let's do it. Yes. But Joseph said, listen, I know there's another page to my story. And listen, while I'm here and in control of this page, when I die, you carry my bones out of Egypt. I know I'm belaboring, but I'm trying to get somewhere with this thought today. The world says you only matter when you're alive. But to God, your legacy is equally as important, or if not, more so. Solomon said in Proverbs 11, verse 30, that the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. The fruit, tomorrow, what you're going to bring forth. That's the tree of life. What was Joseph saying? 
He was saying that life isn't finalized at death. Can I get an amen? Life is not finalized at death. Pardon me for being personal, but just seemed to touch a string in me, in me, in my heart this morning, Brother Dave. They went camping this week to a spot that Brother Dave's dad and I went to years and years ago. Brother Tom just became like a little child that day we stayed there. He told me, Pastor Herring, he said, this, is, this has got to be heaven on earth right here. And he just bragged about this little spot where a trail came to the end of the, uh, where it met King River at the end. It is beautiful. It's small, but it is picturesque. And he told me they went out there, and he said this morning, it was kind of emotional at first. I can understand that because we spread your dad's ashes there years ago. You were with us, right? Broken down Polaris four-wheeler. Kept overheating. That's not the point. There's something, there's something, it's not over. Something that tells me there's more to it than just this. Paul said, for me to live is Christ, Philippians 1.21, and to die is gain. Hear that? Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. God says it's special. And Paul said, when I'm here, it's important, but when I go there, it's a gain for me. It's a gain for me. Brother and sister, if you're living for God, born again of water and spirit, you don't have to worry about it then because it's going to get better. Not worse. Not neutral. Not equal. It's going to gain. I don't know about you, but Joseph didn't want his heritage to be marked by Egyptian influence. Even though 90 years of his 110 bore the scars of Egyptian lifestyle. So I could say this, that Joseph wasn't fixed on death, but he was fixed on what was going to happen to him after he died. That's true, right? Don't leave me here. Why would he say that? There's going to be a resurrection both of the just and the unjust. Don't leave me here. Listen to me. Your children, your grandchildren, the thing they're going to walk in your earthly shadow, more importantly, your spiritual shadow. I'm not talking about mystical stuff here. I'm not talking about behind every rock there's a spirit waiting. I'm talking about in heavenly terminology here. Joseph was more concerned about what happens after he died. He did not say, give, give Joe Jr. half my wealth. He didn't say, give Ichabod the other half of my wealth. He said, don't leave me here. Does it matter that much? Here's an awesome verse out of Revelation chapter 14, verse 13. Just a snippet from there. You can look at it and, and see what I'm quoting. He said, blessed are the dead. Blessed are the dead. Hello, somebody. Well, we're not shouting and running the aisle today, are we? I asked the Lord this morning. I said, more than anything, God, I hope you'll let me just connect right to your perfect will whether they like it or don't like it, whether they befriend me or send me away, blessed are the dead, which die in the Lord. 
The brother, it's a game. It's precious. And it's a blessing. No doubt about in my mind, Brother Stacy, right now, if you could ask Joe Edward Herring, if given a chance, would you go back to church on, in Palmer this morning? There's no way, Doc. He'd have to give up gain, precious, and a blessing. Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. I'm trying to go somewhere today. Paul said, whether we live, Romans 14, 8, or die, therefore we are the Lord's. God doesn't cease to be owner when we cease to breathe on planet Earth. God doesn't cease to claim ownership when we check out of this place. Here's what I think. I think when Joseph said, make sure when I die, you do not leave me. I think this is what Joseph was saying. I believe in the resurrection of the body. The body. And the immortality of the soul. I believe you're saying, I believe in the resurrection of this body and the immortality of the soul. So my question is, do we believe that? Do we truly believe that? Do we live like we believe that? Because the bottom line is this true. You want to be real, biblical? We're all going to be raised from the dead. The rebellious hater of God is coming out of the grave just like you and I. And we, hopefully not together, but we will all live forever. Do we believe that today? So, here's the bottom line, end of the story, where I want to arrive. Joseph, in chapter 50 of Genesis, go back to the first few scriptures. Bible says, Father Jacob told him something. I'm dying too. You remember the story. Joseph had brought all of his family over into There was food there. Dying of starvation in Israel, but in Egypt there was food. Brought his family over. Appreciate people that care about their family. Appreciate people who want to share the wealth. And he brings Jacob's dad into Egypt. Dad is old also. Dad makes him promise, not my land. Why were they so patriotic? Because God had told Abraham, this is the place that is yours. You didn't conquer this from the Philistines, the Jebusites. I gave you this land. That's why they're so adamant over there today and they're still willing to fight for it because they didn't buy this land. They didn't barter for that land. They didn't trade for that terra firma. God gave them the promised land. That's why they wandered for 40 years when they were extracted out of their homeland. We've got to get back. 400 years bondage in Egypt. Anyway, Jacob says to Joseph, get me out of here. Get me out of here. Joseph, in the same chapter, you fast forward, you have Jacob dying, you have Joseph at the end of the chapter dying. 
The Bible said he was embalmed and put into a coffin in Egypt. Last four words, Genesis, the whole book. Last four words, a coffin in Egypt. Joseph was placed in that box that was meant to preserve, preserve and, and stabilize our image, our earthly image. God's not concerned about preserving the body as much as he is insuring souls. Insuring the souls. Now check this out. 144 years after Joseph dies, he's embalmed, he's put into a coffin in Egypt. It's 144 years. Do your math. Do your homework. 144 years. And there's a man of God who believes that what God says he means. I don't know if there's any visitors listening today, but if there are, and you're in a church, and you're, you're shepherded by a pastor that lives it on Sunday and doesn't live it on Monday, I'd find me a place to go to church where people believe it, and the ministry team believes it, and they live it. Exodus 13, 19 says, Moses is finally leaving Egypt. You have a Thompson Chain Bible, maybe some other, other uh, renderings, for sure a Thompson Chain. There's a marginal area, and at the start of most chapters, most chapters, not every but most, there is a date put in the, in the margin. It tells you approximately circa the, the area of time where this occurred. You can do it for yourself. You can go to Genesis 15 all the way over to Exodus 13 and realize that Thompson Chain gives it almost 200 years, but technically it was 144 years from the time Joseph said, when we leave, don't forget me. Why would Joseph, to be absent from the body, is to be present with the Lord, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 8. So I believe it's literally this, hallelujah there, hallelujah there, that the minute you die, if you're right with God, you're in the presence of the Lord. You're not going to be, you know, hung up on some suspended hope somewhere for a thousand years, a million years. You're going to know immediately. Why would Joseph care? Because now it's all about the next generation. Now it's all about Uriah and Royce. When you leave, it's your legacy. It's the path you have trod. It's the wake you have created. And Joseph realizes it's all the trouble's over for him now. But my sons are still grinding. My daughters are still working. My family is still dealing with life every day. You, you may not be the type of person. I'm not trying to convince you. You do anything you want about it. I go to see my dad's grave, and I do frequently. I, I don't get anybody's permission. I don't get fanfare and parade. And I'm not saying, hey, I'm going today. You want to go? Because I, I know he's not down there, spirit. But that's, that is my earthly connection to dad. Well, quiet it isn't here today. Hey, I was looking for a job when I found this one. You can vote me out if you want, all right? But in Exodus 13, 19, Moses said, Let's, we're going, we're going. Two million people in tow, Brother Mike. Squalling kids. Mules that need to be fed, horses, 
camels, sheep, goats, moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas. How long of a line two million people make? Huh? They did anything alphabetical. Moses carrying two million people on his back speaks that. And the Bible says there, 144 years later, got the bones of Jesus. Talking about extra piece of luggage. I can't leave here. We're not coming back. Once we get over the border, we're not coming back. Someone asked me more than once, but if you make it to heaven, do you ever think you've missed people on the way? No, I don't think you do. How could you? Because there's no tears there. No tears of sorrow. There's no, there's no weeping, no pain, no agony, no more misery whatsoever. That's all reserved for right here. I don't know what it looked like. I don't have any reason to tell you that he carried the coffin out. Coffin was made by Egyptian, Egyptian hands. It was synonymous of the way the world preserves. But, grab that box. That important stuff in there. A promise was made 144 years ago. We make a promise a year later, think, ah, it's too much water under the bridge. I'm not going to keep my word. 144 years later, Moses said, get Joseph's bone. Somehow the message got passed on, brother. Somehow it was conveyed from generation to generation. So Moses said, oh, Moses didn't even know Joseph. So what matters in life to you today? How much important stuff are you carrying around? How much unimportant stuff are you carrying around? Talking, not natural now, obviously. Emotional things, troublesome things. Better day coming, brother. Day coming, sister. I realize that if we're not the generation that goes in the rapture, our kids are going to be left behind. They're going to sorrow, as Paul said, but not as those who have no. They're going to miss you when you go away, but they won't, they won't miss you like people that die lost, living with that agony. Joseph said, don't leave me here. I think it's a good thing when we finally get to the place where we're so love with the Lord Jesus. Long to be there more than we long to be gone. Uh, I've heard people pray, I don't want Jesus to come back until I get this accomplished, until I fulfill this in my life. I get it. I understand that. But I also need to repent when I think that way. It's going to be better, brother. It's going to be gain, sister. It's going to be precious, friend. Whatever you do to be in the presence of the Lord Jesus today, and I pray you consider, I pray you do more than consider, but obey the plan of salvation to repent of your sins.
to be water baptized by complete immersion. Not sprinkling, complete immersion in the name of Jesus and receive the precious gift of the Holy Ghost. That's laying up treasures in beyond the blue right there. God bless you today. We're praying for you at home, wherever you might be. We love you. Keep the faith. Don't let all the junk of the world get you too tied down. Keep your eyes on the goal. We are going to a better place, a better place, a better place. In the name of the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord.